everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hockey Talk Backstage. Justin Bradford, Lucy coming with you. And we're excited to have our next guest here on the program because, well, one, he really wanted to be a part of this. And I know I'm already getting some heat uh, about not having him on earlier. And that's our third yeah, episode. Wait a well, we- <laughs> I thought I'm your first guest ever. You're, you're our first guest ever, Sean. We we have Sean Henry. He's the president and CEO of the Nashville Predators and, and Bridgestone Arena. And it's just awesome to see the work that he's been able to do. And you all have been a part of this. Whether you're listening to this, whether you've experienced it or not, you've been a part of this and the work that he's done to just have transformed downtown uh, to be a part of something special that makes Music City what it is. And Bridgestone Arena and Nashville has been a huge part of that. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you both. appreciate it. But yeah, I guess I'm a small part of it, but the guy that's really responsible is, is Mayor Bredesen or Governor Bredesen. It was his vision to reshape the city by building that arena, and it, it mm-hmm. sure worked. Yeah, that was a long time before I got here, but I'm thankful <laughs> to be here now and thankful to know both of you guys. But um, thanks for coming on, Sean Henry. Yeah, no, I really thanks. appreciate it. When you said you wanted to come, I didn't know if you were joking or not, but you being no. here today shows me you are not joking. Well, I thought you guys were coming to my house to do it. I mean, I thought we were going to do it here and, you know, the basement where I am. Yeah, next time, next time. So I've always wanted to ask you these questions, but I never got the time during the games, like um, before doors open and stuff. So what made you get into sports? Was that always the plan? You know what? I I love sports, you know, Mm -hmm. like you guys. And like I assume most people listening and or watching, I mean, sports are just a fundamental part of my life, you know, from being a fan to, you know, playing, obviously not as any portion as well as anyone we watch <laughs> on the ice or field or courts, but it just love sports. We're, we're a very sports minded family as a kid growing up and, and we are now, but no, it was never the plan. You know, um, uh, I, I started working when I was, I don't know, 14 years old as a bus boy at a place called Jones beach state park, which is 20, 30 miles of beach in New York. And I didn't realize at the time, but the company I was going to work for happened to service sports teams around the country, the national parks, state parks, and then, I don't know, 150 or so sports teams at the time. But again, that meant nothing to me. I was there to save for college. If I was going to go to college, I was going to pay for it myself. And I was very fortunate. I worked for them from junior high into high school into college. Um, you know, worked a couple of jobs all through college, you know, probably 80 hours a week to get through. And they literally paid for my college. I and mean, that's the only way to, to sum it up. You know, they worked around my, my schedule to make sure I could go to school. I uh, had a chance to work for some really, really good people. Um, and again, started as a kid. But my last year there, they asked if I would stay on after I graduated. And there was no way in the world I was going to stay on. And there's no way in the world I was cooking hot dogs the rest of my life. <laughs> well, 30 years later, it turns out I've been cooking hot dogs the rest of my life. Uh, but I was really fortunate. They, they set up a trainee program for me. My last year of college, I traveled a little bit with them, which was just really cool. You know, I didn't travel a whole lot growing up. And uh, upon graduation, they they set it up where I was going to go to four different accounts in a year, three months at each account, an arena, uh, a double stadium in in Kauffman's uh, Truman Sports Complex in Kansas City, the Metrodome, which was one building that housed two teams, and then probably finish at Yankee Stadium. But the first place I was going to was uh, Auburn Hills, Detroit, Michigan the home of the Pistons, brand new building. It was two years old at the time. They won championships their first two years in the building. And they were really redefining the business of sports and entertainment. And they were really one of the first companies to pull it all together under one roof. I didn't know that again. I was going to Michigan for three months. Well, I stayed there five years. You know, I really hit it off uh, with the Pistons the day I got there. And they gave me so many opportunities. And 
I got promoted time and time again, way before I was ready. Um, basically because I always said yes to everything and I never yeah. asked about my salary, you know? Um, but I was very fortunate about a year after I got there, they made me the GM of the account for the food and beverage side of it. Wow. And yeah, I was probably the youngest GM in the company by, I don't even know, 20 years, 25 years. Years later, they all told me my own company and the Pistons that they gave it to me because there was an opening and I said yes and didn't ask for you know quadruple my salary. <laughs> and uh, it worked out pretty well, but they really encouraged people to get involved in every facet of the business. So even though our prime responsibility was food and beverage, pretty quickly, we took over settling the shows financially. We took over the box office financials. We just did more and more and more and more. They let us get into marketing and and, you know, my own company would always say to me, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing all that other stuff? Well, you do it because you want to learn. It's insatiable. But more importantly, you do it because you want the organization to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, from there, I transferred with my company to St. Louis. We helped move the Rams from L.A. to St. Louis. Uh, we finished the construction of the dome. And uh, it was really neat. It was a very different organization than the Palace, Sports Entertainment, or the Pistons. With the Rams, we were a food and beverage company. And that's how they saw it. And when I would say, hey, let's let's pitch naming rights with you. Let's do this because I really think we should talk to this airline company that's in town called Transworld. Um, and and they were a great, they were a great team, but they were new to venue management. They never had the rights before. They were stuck in your Anaheim. Uh, <laughs> and so it was very different. And they didn't see how good it could be to run everything as one. And, and yeah, I stayed with that company for a little while. I, I commuted to DC from St. Louis and helped finish that project, the new stadium at the time, new um, in, in uh, I guess it was called Raljon or Landover. And then I left and I went to a startup company that the Pistons really encouraged me to do. You know, they were always my account even after I transferred out of there. And they invested in this HDTV startup company. And at the time I didn't know how to spell HDTV. Uh, <laughs> no one knew what it was. Uh, here I was more of a transactional guy but I did their sales and marketing and I was the third employee and a lot of things were really cool. We were the first to ever broadcast HD TV, first to ever do a live event, first to ever do a live sporting event and on and on and on. You know, the very first HD TV ever sold and marketed in the United States is in my garage, by the way, if you want to buy it, I'll sell it to you. Oh, wow. Um, it, it's in my garage because I can't pick it up. It's so heavy. Um, but we were also one of the first companies to go bankrupt in that space because we were so early. And, you know, the Pistons invested a fair amount of money. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my safety job is always going to be back with the Pistons if something bad happened. But now they lost money in this new company. What am I going to do? I'm, I guess I got to cook hot dogs again. And um, the Pistons offered me a job with the team we were negotiating to buy at the time. That was Tampa Bay Lightning to run the business side. And I, I, I was so excited about jumping into that, you know, officially on the team side. That was in 99. And um, it was just magical. Well, the owner of the Pistons truly was, was uh, a genius. I mean, he looked out 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, never thought about the P&L on a daily or monthly basis. And his only goal was to be better than everyone else. And I say it like, you know, that's what it should be for all of us and everything we do. But it really was. It was, you know, let's be the best run venue in America. Let's be the best run hockey team. And that's what we were with the Pistons. You know, we also owned a bunch of amphitheaters. and We added quite a few things. We bought a minor league baseball team that we operated out of Tampa. And it was so much fun to be part of a group where your goal was just to be better than everyone. And if you had an idea, you were going to do it. And if someone else had an idea, you were going to embrace it like it was your own. And all we did was we took the worst sports team in sports. We took that crown from the Buccaneers who wore it before us. 
And the Rays took it for us. I mean, it was just a bad sports city. And the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl in 03, I think. And we won the Stanley Cup in 04. Obviously, the Rays made a couple of good runs after that. But I haven't won the final final game yet, but they will. But it was neat to transform a city around sports and be part of that. It was neater still to transform a team and a business. And we went from being the 30, 40, 50th, 50th busiest building in the country to one of the top three, four, five busiest buildings in the country in Tampa. And um, we won the Stanley Cup, which was pretty neat. Obviously, that's what you play for. And unfortunately, when Mr. Davidson died, you know, all of his assets were sold. You know, we sold the baseball team, we sold the Lightning, we sold the Pistons. And uh, I found myself consulting, you know, for the Lightning and a few other teams, a few other entities. And I was really enjoying life. You know, I wore shorts every day. I, my office was my patio or lanai, as you call it in Florida. Drove my kids to school every day, coached every one of their sports. I mean, it, it was neat, but I missed every day actually working for a team because there's something about being part of a team. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was it. This is going to be, you know, how the next 10, 20, 30 years of my life are spent. And I got a call from Tom Seagram to, you know, interview with the, the Preds. They were going through uh, similar ownership changes as we were at the time back in 07, 08. And this is actually in 2010 when he called. So they were still dealing with what to do after buying the team. And I'll never forget what he said, because I really had no interest in, in, in moving. Um, I, I loved what was happening in Nashville. I always loved the city. I loved coming up here for games. You know, I never saw the building full, you know, coming here as a visiting team. But when it was 8, 9, 10, 12,000 people, it was loud. It was passionate. It was cool. Like there was a vibe that was uniquely what I call uniquely Nashville now. But I, I didn't think it would happen until Tom said, like, our only goal here is to be the best to be better than every hockey team and have the best run venue in America. It gave me chills. It gives me chills now because it was our exact goal and mission, you know, that mm -hmm. I bought into in 1990 and then again in 99 uh, with Palace Sports and Entertainment. And it's the best thing I've ever done. I'm so grateful that they hired me. Um, it was incredible. It's been fun. And I think the best years are ahead of us still. Yeah. And you can see the influence too that you had early on in your career and the mantra that's kind of instilled in your mentality of going through this of wherever you've been and it's kind of stuck with you and you can see how now you've been able to do that with Nashville uh, as well how that you want to be the best and it's encouraging the best and encouraging everything to be the best and even though sometimes it's, sometimes you know it's going to take more work uh, than it will in, in other avenues and everything but it's always having that mindset of we're going to be the best we're always going to try to achieve the best as well so you can see how just early on how things can just stay with you. I mean, to, to do a big throwback marketing slogan from the National Predators before your time was it stays with you <laughs> way, way back then. But you can definitely see that. One of the things I was curious about, too, because when you think about your career now with the Pistons and obviously I, being from Michigan, I went to plenty of events at the Palace as a, as a little kid. Most of it was like um, the big trucks, monster trucks and went to a Piston game here or there and some other things. But now the building doesn't exist. And yeah. it's, it's kind of weird to, to think that that they, that they ended up moving and everything too. And then obviously the St. Louis Rams went back. So it just kind of looking back at this as well, just how does it kind of settle with you in your head to see the things that you were a part of and, and special of that? We all know change is going to happen, right? Change is always going to happen, but just kind of how do you reflect on those, those moments when you're a part of those that are different now? Well, I feel old, number one. <laughs> half the places I've worked don't exist anymore, um, which is just bizarre. And even the buildings I was mentioning earlier, you know, I was going to go to the Metrodome, doesn't exist anymore. I was mm -hmm. going to go to Yankee State, doesn't exist anymore. Um, it really broke my heart, though, when the palace was torn down because the, the, the thing that, for whatever reason, I'm giving a lot of credit for it, I shouldn't be, our whole group should be, is investing in the building. And the one thing that we believed in, in Detroit was 
if you invest in the building, it could last forever. I mean, the notion that buildings last 30 years is just silly. And it's because a lot of people think, oh, when the bonds expire in 30 years, because normally the, the lease with the city is 30 years, because that's how long the bonds are, are financed for, but you need a new building. Well, the best houses are hundred years old. Mm -hmm. The best buildings are hundred years old. I mean, the most historic buildings in our country from a sports standpoint, they're, they're legendary because they're old. It's where your grandparents met, great grandparents met. You know, we have the rhyming across the street. Mm -hmm. from our That's unique and special because you can envision who played there, who walked through there, who sat in there. And that's what we want with Bridgestone Arena. I mean, it's, um, but it, it does make me sad those places don't exist. But, you know, I was, again, very fortunate when we went to Tampa, we embraced that same thing. And I think that building will sit where it does now forever. Mr. Minnick has carried that same torch forward. And I was really excited when, you know, we extended our lease by 30 years. You know, I think it's the right thing. I, I just hope that my grandkids literally will, will meet their spouse at Bridgestone Arena and talk yeah. about that. Literally, my, my son met his soon-to-be spouse, fiance at Bridgestone Arena. And th those are cool things. They really, really, really? Yeah. How did that happen? You know, they don't tell me all the details. <laughs> but, um, I mean, were I, they at a game or at, were they at a concert? It was at a game and mutual friends. Uh, oh, okay. Reconnected. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it really, really is. So uh, my grandparents met at Coney Island, but I don't know how that happened oh, wow. either. <laughs> well, it's mutual what's, friends. Yeah, yeah. What's so cool too, you think about the location of Tampa's arena and you look at the location of Bridgestone Arena, I mean, it's one of those things that it would only make sense to continue this on because the location is, is perfect. Madison Square Garden, right where that's located in, in, I mean, New York's huge, but still everything's still around that. It's easy to access from so many different places. You see the success of buildings that are in places where there's things to do around it and being in the heart. And I mean, that's an iconic part of downtown Nashville now too. And you see what's been built up like Fifth and Broadway is perfect to be right across the street from it it makes it a, a place where people will go downtown early or stay later and this right across the, from the arena so it's it makes sense to extend a lease like that because there's no other place that the predator should be playing there's there's no other place that makes sense well, i said to somebody <laughs> you know there's no reason for us to extend this lease you know we can let this ride out you know the last 10 years or so we can start having negotiations with the city or state or county or counties now and then you sit back and say wait a minute if someone gave us a check for a billion dollars and said, build the greatest arena that's ever been built, but it just can't be here, you would say no, because we built that area around us. I mean, the arena is the first domino that fell and you're much better off just keeping that really cool building more cool and more modern each and every year. And, and that's what the goal is. So it's funny you mentioned Madison Square Garden. You know, some of the most modern buildings in our industry are 50 years old Madison Square Garden. I hate to admit it, but Wrigley Field and soon to be Fenway Field will be probably two of the most modern baseball stadiums at 100 years old each. Soldier Field, Lambeau Field. I mean, they're so old, yet they're so modern because they invested in them. It probably mm -hmm. took too long to invest that much in them, you know, because they were all in pretty bad shape when they decided to do it. But can you imagine the Packers playing anywhere else or the Bears or the Cubs or the Red Sox? I used to say the Yankees, but unfortunately, you know, they did build a brand new building and it, mm -hmm. I just like the old ones better. It has character. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of history, like you said. It has a soul. It's, it's cool. I mean, it really, really is. And, you know, we had um, Chris Young do one of our company Zooms uh, last month or two months ago. And he talked about sitting in the upper bowl for a Preds game as a kid. Like, how cool is that? Now he's selling yeah. it out. Like, you hear those stories and you get excited. You know, I can't wait till we draft a player 
that talks about seeing his first hockey game at, you know, four or five years old in Bridgestone Arena and grew up playing hockey here too. So it'd be neat. Mm -hmm. So you like the Yankees. By the grace of God, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously you're a Titans fan now, but did you pull for Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl? Um, I am a Giants fan and a Titans fan. I like the Blue. Okay. And I like the Lions too because I was there. But I would like to see a Giants um, Titans Super Bowl. I think that'd be really cool. And of course, it'd be fun rooting for the home team. Um, I, I, no, I did not pull for the Buccaneers. I didn't pull maybe, against them either. I thought maybe not the team, the city. You pulled for the city. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, I don't know if either one of you have ever had an ex boyfriend or girlfriend, or, but when you do, you want to see them do well in life. Mm -hmm. Not as well as you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're a cheerleader for the city. You really are. You want to see them do so well. But to see them win a Stanley Cup and a Super Bowl and go to the World Series, and you did not do any of those things. And then we were close. You know, we were in the playoffs, and the Titans had a you know fun year too. Mm -hmm. um, I was happy for them. I was happy for a lot of mutual friends at, at the Buccaneers and, and at, at the uh, Lightning and the Rays. But to say I was pulling for him would probably be a slight exaggeration. I, I was pulling for the lightning because I have so many really, really good friends that are still there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. See, I think now working for the Preds and having my first year be the whole Stanley Cup run, I always say I pull for the fans. Yeah. Because I know how exciting that is. And just, you know, they're going to create memories that are going to last a lifetime. I was just talking to someone last night about that, and we were just like, wow, what a wild ride that Stanley Cup run was. And just talk about the memories that came for it. So I guess no matter what, if my team isn't in it, I always just pull for the fans. Yeah, that's good. And I fell in love with the Tom Brady story. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a Giant fan, so I can like Brady. You know, when we want to win a Super Bowl, we play him. But <laughs> I know you're a big fan. Um, what a great story. I mean, seriously, you talk about excellence and how that guy chases it and the work he does to chase it. That's mm -hmm. a good story. I don't care what you do for a living. Um, there were a lot of good stories of that Super Bowl. It really was. But uh, I enjoy Super Bowls because I enjoy preparing the food for a week and getting excited about it. But it's a little more fun when your team is in it and wins it. So. Oh, and, and when you can have bigger parties too. When you yeah, <laughs> gosh, I know. He's <laughs> talking about you know your work at the Symphony and obviously what what I do too and what you do at the Ryman, Lucy. It, it's so exciting to actually be thinking about big events again. Mm -hmm. Lucy's touring too. I mean, starting yeah. up, so it's. Everything's getting back. It's a, it's exciting times. So I, yes. Get back sooner, man. So I, I wanted to switch gears a little bit too to talk about the music side and the, the music industry, especially because that's what we want to talk about here. And and looking at Bridgestone Arena because it is just one of the top venues, not just in the country but in the world, in terms of what it brings in. And I, I looked at a concert database before, trying to find just when things happen at the arena and different concerts and everything. And it is amazing to see how many days that building sat empty in the early 2000s because they were just weren't attracting um concerts to come through and i remember that growing up seeing how memphis would get things and atlanta obviously and all these other cities like i want to go see that artist but they weren't coming to nashville and now it's one of those things that nashville just doesn't get skipped period like the big artists come elton john comes again a year later kind of thing which was an awesome concert by the way uh but Looking at the, the music side of things as well, too, and, and your goal of always being the best, obviously that plays into this as well, Sean, that you know, booking the biggest acts and booking the, the acts that people want to see and come to Nashville for, 
what's been that process been like of changing and having that paradigm shift of say, look, we got to book more acts. We've got to keep this building busy for so many different reasons, but also that the people in the city want to see these acts and everything too. Well, you start at a selfish place and <laughs> you know, it wasn't that many years ago where the, the arena and the team were run very separately, even though they were, it's one entity, but no one knew that inside those walls or didn't appreciate it or didn't realize the benefit of having being one of the busiest venues in America. A lot of people thought it was detrimental to have that many concerts because, you know, then the hockey team has to practice at Centennial more often. And it's just the opposite though. The more shows you do, the more hockey tickets you sell, but you can say that, but until people start appreciating it, 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 it's hard for that to come about. We had such a great staff when I got here, but the fact that we had two, basically two functioning box offices, two functioning marketing departments, two HR departments, two of everything, was silly. We we're one company. And when we broke that down, you know, there are a lot of small things that we did to help sell a few more tickets because that's where it starts with. You have to sell out the shows you have. And if a show does 8,000 people average across the country, you got to make sure you're at 9,000. I mean, just be better. If a show is selling out across the country, well, you got to get two shows and get them to sell out. And, uh, you know, really before 2010, I, I don't know how many times the show booked two shows in successive dates i i maybe garth brooks I, I really don't know if if at all and um part of it is sometimes you have to guarantee things sometimes you have to say you bring it here this is what we'll do and this is what will happen and david kells has embraced that job and personality better than any person that's ever done that job i will argue in the country's history i mean he loves what we do he loves our grew up on the loading dock through college started out overnight conversion crew jumped into event coordinating, became marketing guy, but he was the guy who's, he was the event marketing guy. When we brought that market department under one umbrella, he ran both. And he fundamentally realized right away, a sold out hockey game means we have an ability to sell concert tickets to 17,000 people or every broadcast becomes an infomercial for concerts. And a sold out concert allows you to sell hockey tickets to 15, 16, 18,000 people. And once you cross that bridge, it's, it's hard to come back from it. And, you know, so as soon as we started selling out concerts on a fairly regular basis or outperforming other buildings, other cities that were bigger than us, then you could start saying, we need a second date and we need it now, but it takes someone to believe in it. And I always say Garth Brooks, what he did for the flood and what he did for Nashville was incredible. But by default, what he did for us by doing those shows, you know, the 10 straight shows, showed the world that Nashville, Tennessee can sell out not just one night or two nights or three nights, but 10 straight concerts, double headers three times. And it fundamentally changed what people believed that we were we could do. We were preaching it for a while, but his belief in it really made it happen. And then right after that, we did four straight Taylor Swifts and it all comes together, but nothing sells a ticket like selling a ticket. And I know it sounds a little glib, but it's true. <laughs> it's just, if you make up your mind that you're going to sell out every event, you're going to sell out every event, period. And you can do it. Yeah. And now if your goal is to have 14,000 people in the building, then you're probably going to end up with 14,000 people. And that's not what your goal should be. So what has been your favorite concert that you've seen averaged up? A loaded question. <laughs> I know you've probably seen so many because you're just that lucky. Well, um, you know, you just summed it up. I am honestly one of the luckiest guys in the world. I, I just, I love my job. I love where I work in a great city. Um, but my favorite concert, you know what it is? 
right. whatever's playing that night. I mean, and it really, really is. I'll tell you, I love the energy between the fans, as you talked about, Lucy, and the mm-hmm. performer. I care. That intrigues me more than anything. I Every show I work, which is most of them, I always am on where the sound mix is at the start of the show. I want to see the star come out and the connection with the fans. I think it's great. I don't even care. I really don't. Right? They are so neat. Um, but there have been a lot of really special shows in our building. I'm, the, the last Paul McCartney show was really incredible. I don't know why it stood out so much for me. Um, Elton and, and Billy Joel together is cool. Elton at any time is really neat. Um, the Garth Brooks ones are special. I mean, the, the shows mm-hmm. are amazing. Um, but I will tell you my favorite show, and some people will laugh, I assume, was when Ed Sheeran opened up for those three or four straight Taylor Swift shows, and then she followed <laughs> There, it was so, so cool. But even better than that, seeing them connect in a, in a pretty neat way was when he came back on his own a year or two later and he did three straight shows sold out on his own. And he was headlining. Yeah. And she was in the audience for one of them, which oh. was really cool. That was pretty cool. But better than that, being in Nashville, most shows start or end in Nashville now, which makes no logical sense. <laughs> the country. Every show should start in Miami, Seattle, Maine, or LA, right? You crisscross and end in one of the other ones. They start and end here because we're cool. Like we've worked really hard to make our building the most fun place for them to play. And that's why, you know, we're very fun. We're in arena of the year all the time. And it's because the tours and the shows have fun. They know it's going to be easy getting in and out. And we're going to outgross anyone else, even though our building's smaller than most. But the really cool part is our rehearsal hall that we have that for the most part, we'll convert to that opening tour party or the closing tour party. And Ed Sheeran said he wanted to go to a frat party and, or because <laughs> he go to college and he loves American football, college football. So he created a tailgate party oh in gosh. the rehearsal hall for his, and it was his final show. And I happened to be on a plane with him the next day by Quince sat next to him, like a little commuter jet to Chicago. And it was just, it was one of the really cool hour and a half flights I've ever had and probably ever will have. I just think he's a really neat guy. So that probably was my favorite one. So you talked to him the whole time? Oh, probably much more so than he wanted to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That rehearsal. All his buddies were behind us. So it was cool. And, and uh, it was really, really, really neat to hear what he thought about Nashville, what he thought about mm-hmm. Bridgestone Arena. And uh, it, it helps. You know, you, I would say, People always say, why do you talk to your fans? Which I think is the silliest thing in the world. Like, what else are you going to do before a game anyway? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun, but it's also, you're literally having a focus group in every conversation without even realizing it. And for me, it, it was that opportunity. And you, you don't get that often. You know, Dirk Bentley is very giving with his comments of what we could do differently, better, worse. Uh, Vince Gill is, Garth Brooks is, um, Chris Young is. And you love that stuff because it's real. And you get to act on it. You know, a lot of other venues, it's just a, another show. I think we've created something where every show is special. And that's mm-hmm. that's important. And I think those guys you just mentioned, we obviously have such a huge relationship with them because they're such huge Preds fans. Yeah. And then, you know, they come out, they come to Bridgetown, they sell out the arena. So mm-hmm. they definitely know what they're talking about. Yeah. And the, re- and the rehearsal hall, I mean, pre-COVID, that's where our locker room was right? We shared the wall with the rehearsal hall. So, I mean, just because like, let's say Justin Bieber was coming on Friday to 
doesn't mean that he was rehearsing in the rehearsal hall. So we would hear the band play and we were always trying to guess like, who is it? Who is it? And sometimes, you know, you would see them walk out and you're like, oh, that's who it was. Yeah, it really is neat. I mean, our venue is just, it's better than other venues, you know? And some of it was by accident, but it performs so well because it, it it's the size of a stadium backstage, but it's obviously the intimacy of an arena. That's why the SEC works so well. The CMAs work so well. You can stage things that other people just can't. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, it's always pretty neat during normal times going post-game to the locker room and you're walking down that hallway that's by the rehearsal hall and seeing the bins out there and trying to see if the name is stamped on the boxes. Like, mm-hmm. okay, who's rehearsing? Oh, they're not here for a few weeks, but they're getting ready. Like, they, they utilize the rehearsal hall for so many different things before they start a tour to get a feel for what it's going to be like. So it is it is kind of neat the backstage area how it's set up. And then for big events like Stanley Cup or the All-Star Game, how it's been utilized for media and a big staging area for stuff. And a lot of other arenas don't have that. Yeah, other arenas have a press box, uh, but it's a unique situation too for the media in Nashville to be right there on top because it's it's not quiet. And you get to experience what the fans are going through right there with them. And so, yeah, I do want to, I want a press box and Sean knows that, but it is a unique experience from nowhere else. I care less about your press box. I know, I know, I know, but that's why I'm not going to complain because it's a unique experience for any media member going there because you're getting a unique experience compared to any other arena. And so I'll say that while, yes, I do want that. I also kind of enjoy the, the, the uniqueness of that, of being able to experience it while being a media member, but also you're a fan in there, the way you're experiencing the, the noise, the game, the feeling, the emotion and everything too. And potentially, maybe we've had one or two problems with fans and the members of the media. It doesn't happen that often, no. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't happen because our fans are different. You know, they're, they're cool. But it's funny, when I was in Tampa, I'd always, the two things I hated about that building is we control virtually no parking. We controlled 1,200 parking spots, and we had a really bad press box. And I always said, I will never go anywhere with a worse press box and less parking. Well, we have less parking, and we don't have a worse press box. We just don't have one. <laughs> like, so Bill Wickett, who when we all got Tampa 20 years ago, whatever it was, he was our director of PR initially and got promoted a 1,000 times there. All he ever did was complain about the press box the whole time he was there. And when he was taking this job, he said, you're not going to listen to my complaints. I said, nothing to complain about. There is none. <laughs> Maybe someday. Might be part of those drawings that we have. It, it is. It's one of those things, too, that in, in looking at it, I mean, when I when I tell people, because obviously I had to do my research when I wrote the book and everything about when the arena was originally built and how it was designed and everything, too, about for basketball and everything and why it's designed the way it is, people are like, oh, that makes sense. Then you just move on. <laughs> It's just they, they accept it. Like, oh, that makes sense why they did that. I mean, you, and arenas were built differently back then, too. And that's why maintaining and upgrading here and there when you can keeps it modern, like you've been saying uh, as well. That keeps it maintained, especially it's, it's more about the fan experience. It's about that experience it, it, for the everything, fans. Everything, everything, everything <laughs> is about the fans and the performers. Yep. When I say performers, I mean our players and, and those on the stage. But those are the two groups that drive everything we do. And normally the performers are driven by the passion of the fans too. Mm-hmm. So it's fans first, always in all things. And if, if everything we do touches our fans, it's an, it's an important thing to do. But sometimes it's not, you don't realize it, but when we redid the whole HVAC system and changed our dehumidifiers or put them in actually, that made it more comfortable for our fans to sit in the building. This building's still going to be 58 degrees, but it's not going to be, as moist so it feels a little bit better air flows a little bit better so things that you don't tangibly know touch the fans it does the sound system 
makes the video better. So, so you all know I'm a huge Angels fan, and I would always beg my dad for season tickets, but we would always get just the summer season tickets, not the full season. So when we first moved here in 2015, we actually went opening night, and after the game, or I don't even know if it was during intermission, but at one point. I was like walking and then I was talking to my dad and he was no longer next to me. He was behind me talking to a season ticket rep. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I want to get season tickets. That's I was like, awesome. who is this man? After man all these years, paid. yeah. after all these years of me asking you to get angel season tickets, it just took one game at Bridgestone to get, to want to get season. And they've had season tickets ever since I started working. I love your parents then. and i will tell you every time you put up a social post with albert pools in there Mm -hmm. and i I admire his career has been so much fun to watch but my son was born in st louis my good son's a yankee fan my other son's a cardinal fan but he's the perfect age to fall in love with albert pools i mean perfect Mm -hmm. your favorite player broke my son's heart when he left i'm sorry every time you put (laughs) up i think man that's just mean and cruel I think he's my second, my first favorite player is Darren Erstad, but I really have come to love Albert and I want, it's his last season playing. Well, at least maybe last season with the angels. I think he will retire, but I went to go try to find his Jersey on MLB.com and they don't have it. Wow. Well, I do think it's going to be his last season with the angels. You don't know. My son is hoping and I hope he gets it. He's 25 years old now, but you know, he's still a baby, you know, to you. Mm And he wants him to finish his career so badly, do a victory lap with the Cardinals. I think it would be That'd awesome. be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, so I found an Albert Pujols jersey on Amazon. Thank God I can fit into a U size, so it's like half the price. <laughs> we, so, got a, we have a couple of Cardinals ones we'll sell to you. I just – oh, no, no, no. Making marketplace deals right here. <laughs> 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 well, well, Sean, uh, as we appreciate your time and just to look at the, the behind the scenes stuff and, and the work that goes on there too, because it's always neat to hear that. I mean, I didn't know that Ed Sheeran thing. So that's always really cool to, to, to hear stuff like that that's going on. And I mean, that's what it's always interesting to me. It's weird to me when Nashville's not on a list when, for a concert tour. That's that's how much it's changed. It's done a 180 to where it's like, why is Nashville not on there? People say that now and pretty much they're always on there anyways for a tour, but it's it's a thing. They have to be on there. And I know uh, with Lucy's experience as well with with the music industry, it's just really neat to hear about all the things that are going on at Bridgestone Arena and can only wait to see what the future is going to hold. Real fast. So I was meeting with an angry season ticket holder who oh, no. hated me, hated us, hated everything we did. And to quote uh, Jeff Kogan, my old friend, <laughs> every once in a while, you got to walk up to a table when you're a waiter and say, is there anything okay here? <laughs> like, that's what he's <laughs> Everything about everything. So I had lunch with him. And he, I said, we just love for you to renew. Buy into what we're doing. It's going to be really, really cool. And he just was, everything was bad. I mean, nothing, nothing was good. And he said, you guys are so bad. You don't have Springsteen. You don't have Rush. And both their tours were announced. Now, I knew we did have them both. This, they didn't announce the whole tour. And I said, I'll tell you what, if we get Springsteen, will you renew your seats? No. If you get Rush and Springsteen, I was like, I don't know, man. Finally, we agreed, <laughs> agreed to it. And it, it, the funny thing is he's still a season ticket holder eight, uh-huh. nine years later. And every time I see him, he just starts laughing because he said, he said, one, I really enjoyed it. You know, things were so much better. He said, two, you, I denied it then that we had them both. I told him we went out and got them for him. <laughs> <laughs> just for him. And you knew, you knew. I was like, 
course I knew, dummy. <laughs> we tricked you, but it worked for everybody. It worked for everybody. Hey, hey, like you said, interact with the fans. It makes a difference one oh, at a time. I don't understand why that's a question. Yeah. It bothers me because everyone it, – it's fun. It's smart. And what else are you going to do? I mean, people forget that we were – like you were a fan. You know, and now you just happen to work for the team. So My dad business. has always saw that, that you've done that, and he's always – He's just blown away that you do that. He thinks yeah. it's the coolest thing that you're I, down there outdoors. I don't and get he's it. Like, That's why that I is so awesome. Because as you know, I see you on the suite level. I can't. I'm, you know, I'm in my own pod. I, I'm not. I can't. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I know I'm my, my own pod. I'm <laughs> like literally by myself, one person in my pod. And it stinks not being able to do the best part about your job, and that really is, you know, hanging out and and you know, laughing and talking to people, and, and sometimes. You know, people telling you what's wrong. That's not always pleasant. Someone told me, someone took a criticism at me in the media recently, actually. It was probably Justin. I don't even know. Oh, my God. Go <laughs> you know what? Sean Henry hates criticism. Yes. Just so you all know, just to make this clear, I do hate criticism. I hate it more than anyone else. And he said, whenever someone criticizes the Preds, he, he gets mad at it. I'm like, yes. I mean, who likes to be criticized? Now, the difference, don't be the, best. the difference is I like to use the criticism, but if someone's criticizing you, you did do something wrong or it didn't work out as well as it should. And I've never, I've never understood people making a big deal of hanging out and talking or the fact that you don't like when something's wrong. It's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. Do, remind him, I do hate criticism. Do I like reading the reviews of, of my podcast? Right. no but do i yeah exactly I, you, you need to. it you absolutely need it but it just kills you because most of the time you're like oh shoot they're right my gosh yeah. why do we do that well, yep mm-hmm. and, and it only helps you get better it gets better than being just living in your own pod and never adventuring out and getting better at it. it's how you get better and be the best right i mean mm-hmm. it, absolutely and you should seek it out that's good. So that's when you write your next book, you can go write mine and it's going to be <laughs> thin skinned hates criticism. Oh my goodness. Yeah. True. No, the, the next book is going to be a re-release of the making of Smashville with new chapters added for winning the Stanley cup. That's going to be the next book. Dude, that's the book I want to read. I know that's why we do what we do every single day. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and until we win it and we still have a lot of work to do. And by the way, when you do win it, you have a lot of work to do the day after. You really Absolutely. Do. I don't think I will ever be emotionally prepared to win the Stanley Cup. It is emotional. Uh, it just I, It's awesome. It's the greatest I thing in the world. I cannot. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it was really neat. It'll, it'll, be, it'll come sooner rather than later, just, uh, mm-hmm. just given how, how things can go. And Nashville's time will be there. Everybody's was, tasting what it. It's going to happen. What was your first season with the team? Mine? Yeah. Um, the Cup run. And a month before the playoffs started, where were the Preds sitting? Last. And they, they faced off against, I think, the number one seed in hockey. Is that? Mm-hmm. And people were mad that we made the playoffs because we should have tanked to get a better draft pick, right? Correct. Oh. Correct. Anything can happen. You just have to make it in. Anything can happen. And, you know, Anything can happen. Right now, last night, obviously, we wish it worked out differently. Um, mm-hmm. The way the team's playing, this is the team that we, we thought they were. And, you know, the past Yeah, month, exactly. On every level. So, uh, right now, we shall be rooting for the Red Wings. I don't even know what that score is. Do you? 
<laughs> well, I, when the Twitter account changes its, its name like it did, then you know it's serious business. <laughs> so that's that's how you know. Um, it, well, well, Sean, I know we've taken plenty of your time and just wanted to thank you for taking the time to talk with us like you do with, with fans and everything. You took the time to talk with us and just give us a little bit about your, your career and obviously some of the back-end work that happens at Bridgestone Arena with the National Predators. And I just can't thank you enough for your time. Well, thank you both. Congratulations on the show. It's pretty cool. And I'm just so grateful that you chose me to be your very first guest ever. <laughs> First guest. <laughs> so thankful for you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. The next one we do at my house, okay? Okay, sounds good. We'll Got be it. there. All right, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.